Hey friends, welcome back to the Rhythms Podcast. So great to have you listening today. You know, I just never get tired of listening to that bumper music. Uh, Snarky Puppies, one of my favorite uh, groups. I had a chance to hear them in Minneapolis just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, when they when they played that song uh, entitled, What About Me?, it was just like you know my head just exploded in in the uh, in the place in the venue where they were playing. It was just so great to hear their music. So hope that uh, you enjoy that uh, as well. They were um, gracious enough to let us actually use that here. So that's some good stuff. Well, this is episode thirteen, and I'm calling this one grateful. And we're going to explore that in just a moment. A couple of things to get you up to speed. Uh, I'd love to have you uh, visit my website, paulgaucher.com. If you go there, you'll see a button uh, that's labeled Rhythms. Uh, if you press that, that will take you to the entire collection of today's word. There's um, dozens and dozens. I think there's. Uh, I think we're at almost 149 of them there. What today's word does on both Instagram and Facebook, uh, along with my website, which is linking you to those things, um, uh, is a sort of a breakdown of these seven thriving rhythms that we're all about here. And um, so you can just sort of search to your heart's content. It's kind of, I don't know, some people like to use the word uh, devotional or they shrink that to Devo. It's a kind of a thought for each day relative to these uh, rhythms. So um, a bit about Instagram. You can follow me there. Go to Instagram. uh, It's Pigoche, Pigoche, or on uh, Facebook. And, um, you know, you'll get a daily dose of the down uh, the uh, the downloaded today's word. It's, It's fun. I do that every day except Sunday. Try to practice what I preach. Um, on Sunday, I, I want to practice Sabbath, sort of coming to a full stop. Uh, I put the phone down and step away from the technology. But, you know, I'm just going to be transparent with you. It, that's a real struggle for me. I mean, I'm trying to do this, trying to give myself some breathing space uh, one day a week. Um, it's fairly biblical, and uh, it's just good for the soul. I think it's uh, in some ways it's good for the universe to breathe uh, into us, and that's uh, that's a, a way to do that. So, you know, I'm um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to do that. Want to invite you into that uh, with me. But speaking of grateful, I want to talk about grateful today. Uh, this is the fifth of the seven rhythms that we're exploring together here in the Thriving Rhythms Project, um, and there's a a guiding purpose behind. All of this that's that could be stated this way. This is kind of a good way to understand it, that intentionally living into a particular series of life rhythms helps us bring our best to each other and to every encounter uh, with the world around us. When we, when we move with thoughtful purpose uh, toward a deepened sense of identity that we are spirited, that we are creative, that we're connected, that we're present, that we're grateful, that we're generous and missional people, uh, we'll discover new ways of thriving in life. So the Thriving Rhythms 
project in general and this and this podcast uh, in particular challenges us to explore how these rhythms that are already humming in us already sort of vibrating in our souls uh, and lives can continue to redefine us and reinvent us and reinvigorate us in ways that clarify our identity and illuminate our purpose and sustain thriving lives. So that's that's a bit of an elevator speech. It's uh, admittedly a, a, a larger elevator, and it goes uh, up and down uh, to many floors. So there's there's a lot there, but I think that's some really good sauce right there. So uh, commend that to you. And each of those seven rhythms has a guiding narrative, a statement that that sort of parses out and brings some clarity to that particular rhythm. So the the guiding narrative for this uh, this rhythm of gratitude goes like this. We thrive as grateful people who practice gratitude as a spirited discipline, remembering with joy and thanksgiving that all we have is a gift of grace. If you're driving, you might just want to pull over and write that down. Let me give it to you again. We thrive as grateful people who practice gratitude as a spiritual discipline, remembering with joy and thanksgiving that all we have is a gift of grace. So what I'd like to do in this episode on uh, gratitude or grateful is to talk about what it means to live into this rhythm. I want to talk about the power of a generous act and how it creates something deeply transformational in our lives. I want to talk about what happens when generosity gets loose in individual lives and in community. I want to share an ancient story uh, from Scripture that sort of sheds some light on this. And then I want to talk about um, how generous minds create generous communities how generous spirits create generous communities, and how generous hearts create generous communities. So, th- so that'll be enough. Uh, it'll be more than enough. But um, but we're just going to jump into it here. I uh, just just an amazing story. So, I needed two things at a gas station. I needed a bag of sunflower seeds for me and some gas for the car. So when I got to the pump, I pressed the 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 little, you know, the the pay inside uh button and I began filling my tank. Uh, and I pressed the pay inside cuz when I was finished pumping the gas, I I walked into the store to get those sunflower seeds and then I went to the counter to pay. And you know how this goes. I, I got up to the counter and I said uh, gas on pump 4. And uh, these and these uh, seeds too, thanks. And the guy behind the counter rang up the seeds and said, "That'll be whatever it was, two ninety-five." So I hesitated because you know something's not right in the universe right there. I hesitated for just a moment, and I I thought he hadn't heard me. So I said again, um, I, "I also had gas on pump four. And that's when the guy looked at me. And he said, you're all good. Somebody already paid for your gas. Now, just pause right there. <laughs> Do you ever have a moment uh, like this when, when none of the words uh, of the sentences that someone's speaking to you are making any sense? This was one of those moments for me. Someone paid for my gas? That was like $45, I said. And the guy says, yeah, I know. A guy was just in here, and he said he knew you, and he paid for your gas. 
I was absolutely overwhelmed by this act of generosity. Uh, you know, just the sheer force of such a generous act. Plus, I had no idea who did it. And it just occurs to me, you know, when someone does something, you know, um, shows generosity toward us and we don't know, there's this sort of this ingrown uh, uh, desire to pay them back. But, but if you think about that, when we do that, you know, the prid pro quo, it's this for that, um, then it's no longer grace. And the person who did this, I know now, wanted it to be a sheer moment of grace. So I must have, I must have looked like, you know, I was completely lost after a couple moments of just staring at the guy behind the counter in disbelief. So he, he finally looks at me, and he's like, just sort of losing a little bit of patience. He says, uh, "So do you still want the seeds? That'll be two ninety-five, you know." And then it was amazing. So here's the deal. Here's the here's the outgrowth of that. Powerful things happen when generosity gets loose. Powerful things happen when generosity gets loose. A lot of us have heard stories like this. I know we have. You know, there's a good chance that uh, that many of us have been on, you know, one end or the other of such generosity. Maybe you're the one who's bought gas or coffee or lunch for someone else. Um, you know what that does to you. Or maybe you're the one who's been touched by someone's act of generosity, um, food, clothing, daily needs. And you know what that does to you, don't you? The details can vary, but one thing is always the same. The power of a generous act creates something deeply transformational in people's lives. So I'm convinced that our mission as the body of Christ is to be a generous community. Uh, the generous community uh, of followers of Jesus have always been called to live differently, to, to live generously, and to, to model generous rhythms of life wherever we live, work, and play. And there's a powerful biblical image of what generous community looks like in the opening chapters of the book of Acts. And what I want to do is I, I want to read this passage to you to sort of set the stage. And then I want to tell you three stories of generosity because sharing stories of generosity creates even more generosity especially when we're dealing with these ancient texts, these, these ancient words that that for many seem really locked in time, that, that we will read a story about this and we'll get all gnarled up in the details of the story and never get to asking, well, what, how is that story breathing new life into us today? What's it mean for us uh, today? So after I read the story, tell you these stories, uh, we're, gonna, um, we're just going to talk about, uh, leave you with a few questions about how we can make it practical. But in the uh, ancient Christian scriptures, um, in what we, what we call the New Testament, in the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's the fifth book, the book of Acts, chapter 4, beginning with verse 32, uh, we have this picture of the early church, the, uh, the band of followers, uh, post-resurrection, um, after the re resurrection of Jesus, <laughs> which really is, is the sauce in this. This is the resurrection is what makes this whole thing hum. But the early church is learning what it means uh, to be not just a community of individual people, but a generous 
community that uses the momentum of generosity to be very unique and, and powerful in that community to bring life and aliveness to others. So here's the passage. Here, here's this reading. So it says, The whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, hey, that's mine. You can't have it. They shared everything. So the apostles, the followers of Jesus, gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the master Jesus, and grace was on all of them. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. Those who owned fields or houses sold them and brought the price of the sale to the apostles and made an offering of it. The apostles then distributed, uh, distributed it uh, according to each person's need. Joseph, in case you need an example of this, Joseph, called by the apostles Barnabas, whose name actually means son of comfort, a Levite born in Cyprus sold a field that he owned, brought the money, and made an offering of it to the apostles. Just as an aside, you know, you'd sort of, you always have to ask, why does the writer write what the writer writes? <laughs> Only Paul Gaucher could come up with a sentence like that. Just ask the question, why did the writer say it that way? So, by the way, Joseph called by the apostles Barnabas, that's his name. His name, by the way, means son of comfort. You know, take just sells his house or this field and brings the money to be used to bring comfort to other people. Talk about living into your name. Anyway, just a sidebar there. So this snapshot of the early church is really a powerful example of what happens when people become part of a generous community. These early followers were living, spirited, creative, connected lives. They, they were living into what it means to be spirited, creative, and connected. They were dwelling in the present with grateful hearts that were bent toward mission. How's that for bringing all seven rhythms all together? And out of all of that flows this transformational understanding of generosity that, that we're still talking about 2,000 years later. That's, it's so good. They had this vision of open-heartedness, which led to open-handedness that flowed through them like electricity through a power line. And the outcome was that there wasn't a needy person among them. So like I said, something happens when people become part of a generous community. When people begin to get set free from the things uh, in their lives, when that happens to us, our accumulations, our collections of stuff, we just live more open-handedly, more generously. And some of you know that feeling, don't you? It's what you experience just after you've dropped off a carload of stuff for, uh, you know, um, um, a mission outpost or the Salvation Army or any number of places that uh, take things. It's that feeling of freedom and release, even joy, because generosity creates joy and happiness. You feel like there's a weight that has been lifted, and that's the freedom from the weight of stuff. Generosity creates more generosity. Jesus knew that. The disciples knew that. The early church knew that. 
and nothing about that has changed in the 2,000 years since. So friends, the more stories of generosity that we can tell, the more likely something from those stories will draw us into the power of a generous community. So, so what I want to do is share just three, three stories of generosity that shine light on what it means to be part of a generous community. Stories of generous minds, generous spirits, and generous hearts. So first, generous minds create generous communities. Check this. With all due respect to all of the Bob Smiths in the world, Bob Smith is a pretty unremarkable name in general. I know I'll get emails on this, but what Robert F. Smith did for 400 graduating seniors from Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, just a month ago was anything but unremarkable. Robert Smith was invited to come to Morehouse College to deliver a commencement address and receive an honorary degree. That's a standard part of any college graduation ceremony. But there was nothing standard about what Robert F. Smith did. In fact, he created a brand new standard in his commencement address to his fellow classmates. Robert F. Smith, the founder and CEO of the private equity firm, Uh, challenged his fellow classmates to use what they had earned to create change and opportunity in the lives of others, to encourage and inspire others for service and outreach. In, In one way, it was like dozens of other commencement speeches given to graduating classes in this year, 2019. But in the final three minutes of his half hour speech, Robert surprised everyone with the announcement that he and his family would set up a grant to pay off the nearly 400 graduating seniors' student loans. The total gift was estimated to be about $40 million. The place went nuts. Can you imagine? The place just went bonkers. One of the graduating students, Dwight Lewis, uh, was formerly uh, a homeless man from Compton, California. And he said afterward that having the weight of his student loans wiped away was so motivating for him that, um, that he, he promised to charge into his future unhindered in order to pay that forward. A generous mind with an idea like Robert Smith gets loose in a community of generous people and it begins to pay, be paid forward. So Robert F. Smith is a wealthy man. He's a very, very wealthy man. But here's the deal. Let's not, let's not let ourselves off the hook saying, well, you know, somebody with that kind of, you know, that kind of agency can, you know, that's what those people do. No. Here's the deal. The story isn't about money. Let me say it again. This story is not about the money. This story is about the heart. This story isn't about the wealth of a family. It's about the wealth of a family's heart. And what moves the heart? Well, generous acts of love. Generosity creates generosity. So the question for us is, as, as we're listening to this, as we're you know, processing this, is because we've been blessed with enough, 
because we have been blessed with enough, how are we going to pay that forward? How are we going to bless the lives of other people? However, the details may vary, and they do. One thing is the same. The power of a generous act creates something deeply shifting in people's lives. Secondly, generous spirits create generous communities. Generous spirits create generous communities. Just a couple of years ago, at the end of a long week of uh, packing meals for Feed My Starving Children uh, here in this community at Prince of Peace, uh, the last shift had ended. The goal had been met, a couple million meals packed, and the volunteers at that last shift were tired. And all that remained was the work of cleaning up and resetting the sanctuary so that life here could go on as usual. Admittedly, the cleanup, probably the least glamorous part of the whole job. But something very unusual was about to take place. A local business and you could call this business a fast food chain with a commitment to doing things without hamburger. Uh, this local business showed up at the Feed My Starving Children meal pack with a couple thousand sandwiches for those very thankful volunteers. And because this certain business has a commitment to, uh, to the communities that they serve as well as a commitment to giving their employees Sundays off, they decided to model what it looks like to be a generous community and do it this way. So they just showed up and they handed out food to those who had taken part in the meal pack. It was a powerful moment of generosity. All of which, of course, begs the question, how will we continue to partner with the communities around us, where, wherever we are, to bring hope and wholeness to the lives of others in need? What would it take for others to describe the faith community that you're a part of this way, the whole, the whole congregation of believers in that place, they're united as one? One heart, one mind. They don't even claim ownership of their own possessions. Nobody said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. What would it take for the communities around us to be able to say that about us? So again, the details may vary, but one thing is for sure the same. The power of a generous act creates something deeply shifting in people's lives. And then finally, generous hearts create generous communities. There are moments in time when generous love covers everything and time briefly stands still. It's like love flows out of some receptacle and just covers the moment with generous love. I had one of those generous moments this past January of 2019, when Nancy Lee and I were on sabbatical and we were living uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia, near our family there, spending time with our granddaughters, our daughter and her husband, uh, Travis. A generous moment of love flowed out of the six-year-old heart of our granddaughter, Ruby Grace, that absolutely covered and overwhelmed me. It was just a brief moment, but it created so much love. 
when Ruby Grace looked at me one afternoon, we're in the living room. She just looks right at me in a way that, that catches my attention, that, that slowed me way down and then stopped me altogether. And as I was looking at her and she was looking right into me, she simply said, I love you. And there was this brief pause in this six-year-old. And then just to make sure that I had understood her completely, she smiled and then she pointed to herself. And then she made the heart shape with her two sweet little hands. And then she pointed back to me. She smiled and pointed to herself then made the heart shape with her two little hands and then pointed back to me. She didn't have to say it a second time. I love you. It was a generous, generous, generous moment. And nothing prepares you for a moment like that. And nothing, nothing more could have been said in that thick, juicy, full wide, deep, and boundlessly generous moment of love. Generous love creates generous love. I am so loved. And that makes me want to love others. So three stories, three takeaways. First, by practicing generosity, I think that when we practice generosity, it loosens our heart's relationship to things. Let me say that again. Practicing generosity loosens our heart's relationship to things. Someone once said that people were created to be loved and things were created to be used. And the reason why the world is in such chaos is because things are being loved and people are being used. So here's a challenge. Do the things that you believe are important in your life and the ways you invest your time and resources help or hinder the lives of those around you? Do you use your life to create life and more life in others? What would it take for you to live more open-mindedly? Second, by practicing generosity, um, our relationship, our heart's relationship to other uh, people actually tightens. It's about people. It's not about things. That's what the early Christ followers attempted to practice. And as imperfectly as they may have actually lived it out, it was more about their hearts bending toward the needs of others around them than anything else. And the same is true for us. The more we live generously into the lives of others, and the more we create places in our hearts for generosity to take place, the more we'll give ourselves away in service to the needs of those around us. Living generously has all kinds of benefits for sure. There's you know, greater levels of happiness. There's a decrease of the risk of cardiovascular disease. People enjoy happier, stronger relationships. There's less depression, more of a sense of purpose and meaning in life. But even more than that, people in generous communities know well how to love people and use things rather than using people and loving things. And when that happens, we become more united as one, one heart and one mind. And then finally, third, by practicing generosity 
we just hold everything that much more loosely. And the more loosely we hold things, the more tightly we'll be able to hold those in need. So the narrative, we thrive as grateful people who practice gratitude as a spirited discipline, remembering with joy and thanksgiving all that we have is a gift of grace. So maybe a couple of questions thinking about this. What, what does uh, generosity mean to you? What, how, when you hear that, and it's a pretty prevalent buzzword in our culture these days, but when you think about generosity, do you think about yourself as a generous person or do you think about others as being generous toward you? Where does your heart take you when you think about that? If, if we thrive as grateful people who practice gratitude as a spirited discipline, what kind of practices, what kind of disciplines do you have set up in your life to do that? Um, when you think about uh, remembering uh, with joy and thanksgiving um, the things, the, the generous moments in your life, how does remembering, how does putting those back together in your heart and mind spur you on to be generous to others? And if we look at generosity as a gift of grace, where does this all come from? Who taught you generosity? And maybe are you able to see the creator of the universe as, as filling your life with generous, with generous blessing? some things to think about. So that, my friends, is my story, and I'm sticking to it. That's enough for now. That's a, a bit about what it means to, uh, to practice uh, generosity uh, in our lives. So we'll continue uh, next time breaking this apart, and uh, some good stuff is on the way with that. Uh, like I said at the top, you can visit my website, paulgaucher.com. Check out the, the rhythms. Uh, check out Instagram and Facebook, Today's Word. Uh, the hashtag for that is hashtag 100 days 50 words. You can get connected there. Thanks, as always, to a great team who helped make this happen, Lisa Gussefson and Darren Hensel. Uh, uh, again, guys in the band, Snarky Puppy, thanks uh, for their kindness to let us use their stuff. And now, my friends, a blessing. As you move through this day, may you thrive as a grateful person uh, who practices gratitude as a spirited discipline. And may you remember with joy. May you remember with thanksgiving that all that you have is a gift of grace. And remember the words of Thomas Merton, happiness is not a matter of intensity, but of balance, order, rhythm, and harmony. So thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here soon. Peace.